people of God, Barry and Charlotte, our new brother and sister in Christ. It's interesting how God arranges things with this Bible reading and the baptism service happening today while we're in the midst of a global pandemic at the very beginning of what will unfold with that. We've heard of this thing called social distancing, and here we are, you know, all keeping our, I I prefer to call it spatial distancing, all keeping our distance from each other. We've also heard of something called self-isolation. Let me tell you, my friends, that social distancing and self-isolation are not a new thing. And in fact, the woman who came to the well of Samaria was practicing social distancing and self-isolation. She was a woman who was deeply ashamed of who she was. Why did she come to the well at midday in the heat of the noonday sun by herself? Normally, women would come to the well together so that they could help each other and they would come at, in the cool of the day in the, the early morning so that they would gather the water that they needed for that day's washing and cooking. But this woman comes alone at midday in the heat of the day to the well. She is practicing social distancing and self-isolation. She doesn't want to see or talk to other people because she's deeply ashamed of who she is. However, Jesus breaks through all the barriers and social boundaries. She wasn't practicing social distancing because she was sick, but because of spiritual reasons, because she felt unclean. Jesus speaks in public with a woman by himself. Even today in the Middle East, this is almost unheard of. Uh, Kenneth Bailey, a theologian who worked for 40 years in um, Palestine and Israel, said that in all his time, in all his 40 years, he never broke the unspoken rule that a male does not speak with a female by themselves in public. So Jesus crosses that first social barrier. He speaks with a woman. He speaks with a Samaritan woman. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get on together. They wouldn't eat or drink from the same dishes or cups that each other used. They were mortal enemies and spiritual enemies with each other. He speaks with a sinner, a woman who has had five husbands who's lived a sinful life. We don't know what her circumstances were. Perhaps it wasn't her fault. Perhaps she had been abused or or shifted from man to man, but she has had five husbands and in the eyes of the people around her, she wasn't worthy. And he asks her for help. I love this picture in the Lumo Gospel of Jesus, the human Jesus being really tired and really thirsty and really needing her help. This is the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone that is recorded in all of Scripture. It's the biggest talk that Jesus has with anyone that is recorded. And it's with a woman, a Samaritan woman, a sinful Samaritan woman, because Jesus has come to break up all of those social barriers. So the woman comes thirsty. She's looking for normal water, but she finds the water of life in Jesus. In John 4 verse 10, Jesus says to her, If only you knew the gift of God and who it is that is talking to you, you would ask him and he would give you living water. 
And in John 4 verse 13, Jesus says, Anyone who drinks this water from this well will become thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That word welling is actually the word for to spring up. Uh, We find it in the New Testament when a lame man is healed and the lame man springs to his feet. It's the word that's also used for a spring of water that is bubbling over, right? It's abundant. It's flowing out from there. It's springing up. In John 7, Jesus says something very similar. He says in John 7, verse 37 to 38, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So the woman comes thirsty. She drinks from the water of life by her conversation with Jesus. And she becomes a spring for others. She leaves her bucket there and she runs back into the town, a completely transformed person. This is the woman who... Minutes before, had come to the well at noon so that she wouldn't see anyone. Now she goes back into the town and she says, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And all the townspeople are probably going, "Uh Uh-huh, we can tell you everything you ever did too. Mm -hmm." But she has been transformed by her encounter with Jesus. She has been transformed into someone who is now a spring of living water for others. And they come, the townspeople come, they see the transformation that Jesus has brought about in this woman, and they come to see and to drink from Jesus too. They believe in Jesus because of her. There is no more self-isolation for this woman. She has a heart that is overflowing with joy rather than a dry and arid heart. It was lovely, I think, that this passage is connected to baptism. Remember at the start that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than um, John the Baptist? Well, today, Barry and Charlotte, and each of us as well, have come thirsty, have drunk from the spring of living water that is Jesus, And their baptism, Barry and Charlotte, your baptism has opened in you a spring of living water that bubbles up and overflows also for the sake of others. And the same is true, my friends, for each of us. There's so much more that could be said about this passage. I love this passage. It's it's got a richness and a depth and uh, there's just so much in it. But I'd just like to conclude this uh, today's brief sermon um, on this um, theme of the spring of living water to think about how would it be if our church community was shaped by understanding and drinking deeply from Jesus, the spring of living water? How would this shape our community in a time of pandemic and self-isolation? First, we would be a community that doesn't let any social barriers stop our love for one another. Yeah, just like Jesus, who overcame all of those massive taboos and social barriers, we will be people who love and accept whoever 
comes because that's what Jesus has done for us. Secondly, we'll be a community that drinks deeply from Jesus, the wellspring of life, and overflows for the sake of a thirsty and dying world. Let me tell you, I don't know how the next few months are going to play out, but I do know that people in lockdown are going to be thirsty. Not just thirsty for bottled spring water, they're going to be spiritually thirsty possibly like never before. Thirsty for care and for community and for human contact, even if it's through the phone or by Skype or Zoom. They'll be thirsty for someone to give their life meaning and purpose, especially after they've sat on their couch for a thousand hours watching Netflix. I tell you, this is true. And we, the body of Christ, can be the wellspring of living water for people in this time. Everything that we have relied on, everything that we have invested purpose and meaning in is going to be put in its proper perspective in the next few months. God is going to shake up our world and our priorities. So we will be a community that overflows for the sake of a thirsty and dying world. We'll be a community that shares living water in this thirsty world. I want to tell you about one small example of that, and this is not to glorify myself because it wasn't even my idea. Um, Recently, I printed a little half-page note, about 30 copies, and I dropped that in the letterboxes of people on my street and didn't mention Jesus or me being a pastor or anything like that. just said, hi, neighbors. In this time, some of us are likely to be locked down and have to self-isolate. Others might get sick. If you need anything, if you run out of toilet paper or if you need us to go to the shops and buy groceries and you're locked inside, please just let me know and we'll do what we can. And that little note has had already a profound impact. I've had, I think, seven or eight uh, personal replies, either by text or by email, saying, thank you so much for caring And doing this, it gives me hope again. That's the kind of way, and there'll be millions of other ways. It doesn't have to be exactly like that. You're not me, but the way that we shine the light of Christ and we overflow with life for our thirsty world. And finally, interestingly, Jesus says that worship doesn't happen in a place. He says, in the past... The Samaritans worshipped up on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, and the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. But he says the time is coming when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, neither over there in Mount Gerizim nor here in Jerusalem. We don't have to gather together in a place to worship God. We worship in spirit and truth by the power of the Holy Spirit in the truth of Jesus to our Heavenly Father. And that's going to be important because it's likely that at some point we won't be able to gather together physically for worship. Isn't it great that right at the time when this is going to happen, we we have these words from Jesus where he says, you know, the place doesn't actually matter, but gathering in spirit and truth That's what matters. I want to finish with a visual 
illustration. I'm sure you all get it. This tray is the world around you. These glasses are the people with whom you come in contact. This is you. This is the Holy Spirit who is poured out to give living water in your heart and whom Jesus says rivers of living water will flow from your heart into a thirsty world. And this is what life is going to be like in a thirsty world where everything has been turned upside down by a little thing that we can't see. And God keeps pouring his love into our hearts so that it may overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.